welcome back, teacher learners. This is the final episode in my reading workshop series. Now that your book clubs are set up, you are ready to dive into your first official book club meeting. I know that this can seem overwhelming, but don't worry. I have broken it down into three easy steps. In addition to discussing these steps, I will also go over what a student book club discussion looks like, so you will leave feeling confident and excited to get started. Now let's begin. Now, I know what you're thinking. Student-run book clubs? No way. You are probably imagining a chaotic zoo of children running amok with absolutely no learning involved. Okay, so that might be a slight exaggeration, but I am sure you are at least imagining off-topic conversation, off-task behavior. Remember how we talked about student buy-in for reading workshop? That same buy-in helps these book club discussions run smoothly. Since students are able to select their own book clubs and even apply for those book clubs, student ownership significantly increases. The thought process is that they, quote unquote, earned their spots in these book clubs. And here's a teacher tip. Really play it up when announcing the student book clubs. Congratulate them for being selected into these clubs because even with older kids, this absolutely helps. Year after year, I have found that students are proud to be in these clubs. Therefore, they want to be successful. They just need to know what a successful book club looks like. Cue the teacher. That's where we come in. There are three easy steps to implementing successful student-run book clubs. Once the students are trained using these three steps, book club discussions will quickly become the best part of the day for both you and your students. Now, the first step is to assign roles in the book clubs. Make sure that every student has a job. This is critical to creating book club meetings where all students are engaged. What you don't want is to have half the class chit-chatting away while the other half passively listen. Having said that, I recommend allowing students to choose their roles. By allowing students to select their roles within their own book clubs, again, you are increasing student ownership and you may actually be surprised. I often find that students who I would have never expected to lead a group choose to be the book club leader. Many students are more comfortable leading a small group with a book they chose rather than speaking in front of the whole class. These book club roles give even the shyest of students the opportunity to step out of their comfort zone in a safe, more comfortable setting. As I mentioned in my last episode within this reading workshop series, I recommend that book clubs are comprised of three to five students. The sweet spot is four. I include four roles in book clubs, but if you have less students in each club, either remove the optional role or have the leader take on two positions. For groups with more than four students, you can have two students share a role. Now the book club roles that I have are leader, timekeeper, note taker, and communicator. The leader is responsible for facilitating the discussion by encouraging everyone to share 
and asking follow-up questions. The leader is also responsible for choosing the big idea question, in other words, the writing prompt for each meeting. The timekeeper keeps the group on task and focused. That person is in charge of moving the group through the three parts of a book club meeting and is responsible for leading the group in creating a reading schedule. The note taker takes notes. He or she will jot notes of what was discussed for each of their book club meetings. The communicator shares what was discussed during each meeting with the class and the teacher and is also responsible for asking the teacher questions when needed on behalf of the group. This way, you as a teacher are never bombarded by all 30 of your students at the same time. Rather, you only have a couple students coming up to you when needed. Step two is to create a schedule. And this step requires some brief training. In order to have your students create a reading schedule, you need to train them how to backwards plan. And let me just say, what an awesome skill for your students to have anyways. This is something that they will use for the rest of their schooling as well as their future careers. What I would do is to make sure you give them an end date and then also let them know how often book clubs are going to meet. Now, this is heavily determined by your own classroom schedule. If you use book clubs as a supplement to your ELA curriculum, you might only want to meet once a week. However, if you're using book clubs as your core curriculum, you may consider meeting twice or even three times weekly. I have done it both ways, and both ways were very successful. But now I use book clubs as part of my core instruction, and therefore we meet about twice a week. The other three days are set aside for a mix of independent reading, intervention, mini lessons on reading skills, writing lessons, and occasional assessments. If you want to learn more about when I implement reading intervention, make sure to look at my earlier episodes on reading workshop, specifically the first one where I go over goals. Once you know how often your students will meet with their book clubs, it's time for them to create their own reading schedule. Now, if you want a freebie that's going to help you get started with this, go to learningandprogress.com, go to my book club discussions blog post, and you'll see a downloadable freebie that I think will really help you get started. Step three, facilitate your first meeting. Yes, we are now into the heart of book clubs. Your students have been assigned jobs at this point and your book clubs are planned. Now it's time for your first book club meeting. And trust me, it is all going to work out. That first meeting is about training and practice. Your students will need to be explicitly taught how to facilitate a book club discussion. I recommend breaking your book club meetings into three parts. Share out discussion, and reflection. Let's take a closer look at each of these parts. Share out. This is time for students to simply share their thoughts about the assigned reading. The book club leader should facilitate this part of the meeting. Students take turns sharing what they liked about the reading, what was confusing, and any questions that they had. They may also want to pose questions to the group, asking for their thoughts and predictions. Now, I recommend holding a mini lesson about how to pose questions beforehand. 
I usually introduce this concept after a few book club meetings. Depending on the grade level and language levels of your students, you may also consider teaching discussion sentence frames. For example, I agree with, I respectfully disagree. In other words, for example, I often teach a mini lesson on this before our very first meeting. I then provide a cheat sheet or an anchor chart for students to refer to during their share out. I would highly recommend at least having a mini lesson on this topic, even if it's a brief review. And for your language learners, you might even want to consider providing them printed sentence frames that they can keep in their journals and bring out whenever they meet with their book clubs. That might encourage them to participate and make them feel a bit more comfortable. This part of the meeting should only last about five to 10 minutes. It acts as a brief warm up for the students that will allow them to get more comfortable with sharing their thoughts, as well as provide them an opportunity to simply share their love of reading. This part definitely helps build a sense of community amongst the book clubs. The timekeepers are responsible for keeping track of the time. Once 10 minutes are up, they will move the group along to the next part of the meeting, which is the discussion. The goal of the discussion is to practice whatever reading skill you have chosen to target. This is the time that students find evidence and examples from the text to help answer a big idea question. You can either provide the question you would like the groups to answer, or you can have the groups write their own questions. I have done it both ways. For me, I often start book clubs by providing the questions. And then over the course of the unit, I teach the groups to write their own questions. Allow me to explain. For the first couple meetings, I provide the questions, and these questions include both academic and content-specific vocab. Now, I actually encourage you, if you go this route, to talk about why the questions are strong questions. Really dissect that question. Make sure students avoid yes or no questions. Teach them what an open-ended question is. Make sure their questions include some of that vocab you've been practicing. I like to lead many lessons on identifying the vocab terms within the questions themselves. Essentially, we're learning what makes a strong question. And ideally, these book clubs will be scheduled after students are familiar with some vocab words. On my blog, I included a table um, that you can actually walk through. It goes from basic vocabulary to really specific and challenging vocab. I'll list a few of those, but make sure you check out the blog post if you want to see the full list. So I typically start with words like identify, describe, for content-specific vocab, setting, protagonist, antagonist, and I work my way up towards more complex vocabulary words like infer, justify, theorize, and for content-specific, things like mood or tone, motif, symbolism, theme, perspective. Again, make sure to check out that list if you're interested. Now, after the first few meetings, I start having the clubs create their own questions. I often give them vocabulary that must be included in the question. For example, if we are learning about multiple perspectives, I may ask them to include the words point of view or perspective in their questions. I may even ask them to include specific academic vocabulary words, such as examine or compare and contrast. You could even have the communicators show you the question for approval. 
Now, I recommend doing this at least the first couple of times so you make sure the book clubs are on track. Once students are comfortable with this process, you may want to consider allowing them to develop their own questions without identifying the required vocab for them. This gives them the chance to reflect on what they have been learning in your lessons. This also gives them the opportunity to apply the vocabulary words to their own questions. I noticed that once I gave them this freedom, their understanding of both academic and content-specific vocab soared. This process also increased the student buy-in, as we discussed earlier. Once the questions have been written, the book clubs then switch their attention to gathering evidence from the text to answer those questions. They flip through their books, jotting down page and chapter numbers, as well as direct quotes. This is also the time that you can provide intervention. First, check in with each club, noting if any specific groups need teacher support, and afterwards, meet with individual groups that may benefit from a small group lesson. The last part of a book club meeting is the reflection. After the book club discussion, which should last the majority of the time assigned for ELA, it is time for a brief reflection. This can take one of two forms. One, it could be a written response to the big idea question. And these written responses could even act as informal assessments should you need a grade for your gradebook or if this is at the end of a unit or a skill that you've been teaching for a while. The second way that a reflection can take place is a group report where each book club shares their thoughts and evidence verbally with the class. For me, I typically plan a mix of the two options. The written response is completed by individual students, though they are allowed to receive peer support from their book club members. This definitely helps your struggling writers because they have some peer support in the process. Now, this whole process takes no more than 10 minutes, so it should be a short written response, not like a full essay. Students simply look over the notes they took during book club discussion and use that evidence to compose a brief paragraph response to the big idea question. I highly recommend having students create a writing checklist that includes the writing skills you have targeted as a class. For example, if I taught them mini lessons on writing strong topic sentences and using transitions with commas earlier in the month, I would make sure those goals are included in the writing checklist. I would instruct the students to read their writing and only check the topic sentence to make sure it clearly introduces the topic. Then they would read their writing again and only check for evidence. Last, they would read their writing a third time and only check for trans transitions and commas. You could even, if you have time, have them do peer reviews within their book club groups. This process teaches them how to self-correct their own writing. It also reinforces the writing skills that you've taught in previous lessons. I try to schedule at least one group report for each reading skill. For example, if we are learning about analyzing themes over the course of a month, I will plan to have the book club report, the book clubs report their findings at least one time that month. Now, please know that these reports do not last long. They're not like formal reports that students plan for and then present visuals in front of the class. They're typically only a few minutes. It's meant to be brief. If you wish to plan a more formal assessment, you could always add that um, later on in the unit.
Now, I hope you are feeling prepared and eager to get started on your first book club discussion. I'm sure your students will find these book clubs as engaging as mine do, and I can't wait to hear about their successes. Now, I have a summer season coming to this podcast where I will discuss a list of recommended professional development books, as well as some tips for long-term planning during the summer. The first episode will air on Sunday, July 24th, and the second will air on Sunday, August 7th. If you are searching for some back-to-school ideas, make sure to check out Season 1 or our newest season, Season 3, which is going to go live on August 21st. As always, thank you for joining me today and for being a part of the Learning in Progress community. I hope to meet with you again soon. Keep learning, everyone.